0: Do you ever struggle with feeling worthy and of value? Do you fluctuate from feeling like you're amazing to feeling inconsequential? Are those feelings growing as you grow older? What if I told you that you're not alone, it's not you, and that there are ways to work through this? Welcome to I Am This Age, the podcast proving you're never too old. It's never too late, so go do that thing you're always talking about. I'm Molly Sider, a certified professional life coach, storyteller, and real-life changemaker in my 40s. My guest today, Guadalupe Hurt, is here to talk through ageism, especially for women, and how that affects our sense of self as we get older. She opens up about her own struggles with it and what she's done to push against ageist narratives, educate people on why it's so harmful, and how we can all regain our sense of self-worth even in an ageist world. Real quick, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you all know that I am accepting new coaching clients. So if the things I talk about here and on my Instagram page are speaking to you, and you want to go deeper with some one-on-one guidance, click the link in my show notes to get in touch with me, and I'll provide you with the next steps to work one-on-one with me. Okay, now please enjoy the episode.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Guadalupe Hurt. I am 49, going on 50 here in June. I am a pro-aging advocate Um, I am the blogger behind Dear Middalescent. It's a blog here on LinkedIn talking about my adventures and mishaps in middalescence. And I'm just excited to be here with you all talking a little bit about what it is to be 40, 50 plus and fabulous.
0: Hell yeah. Thanks for coming. (laughs) What she didn't mention, so I will, is that she was a longtime entrepreneur, a speaker, a documentary producer, where they explored the intersection of culture, identity, and belonging. She helped found the organization Second Act Women. Guadalupe has done a lot, and I wanted to know about her first experience with ageism, and especially in the workplace, a topic she has done a lot of work around.
1: Ageism really wasn't on even my radar because I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, As you were mentioning, I've started up four companies, and so I was always the boss of me, and I could do what I want and work with who I want. And so I don't think I ever really was in a scenario where someone was discriminating against me or not hiring me because of my age. But then uh, 2019, I decided to step away from entrepreneurship as those that have been in that space know sometimes you just are like, I just want to collect the paycheck and be done with it and not have to worry about anything else. (laughs) I was at that point and I started to uh, apply for a variety of jobs and I figured, hey, you know, I've got 20 some odd years under my belt you know, in a diverse background, everything from video production and, you know, starting up businesses to public relations and communications and then some, I figured anyone's going to want to have me, right? At the time, I was 47 and I was basically getting Dear Jan letters instead of Dear John letters, Um, sometimes altogether ghosted. Everything from you're not a culture fit to we're going in a different direction, all code words as we know for thank you, but no thank you. And, you know, I've not, I started to notice the pattern even in the job descriptions that they were looking for people with like five years of experience. And here I was 20 some odd years of experience. So obviously I wasn't necessarily the type of person that they were looking for. They didn't know that. And so at the time, I was really kind of stuck in my partner, who is currently still the founder um, and CEO of Second Act Women, Barbara Brooks. Um, She was kind of going through the same thing, you know, and trying, she was trying to return to corporate. I was trying to get into corporate and we were both kind of like, what the heck? We both got all this amazing experience and it's like crickets, right? And so, you know, we started having conversations with other women in our age group and started to realize that this wasn't just our problem. Like there was a lot of women specifically going through the same issues that we were. And we're like, oh, whoa, like this isn't just our isolated experience. This is the reality of a lot of women. And instead of just sitting on the sidelines, we decided to do something about it and started Second Act Women.
0: Did you know anyone besides like the two of you who had been doing this kind of work? So at the
1: time, we were definitely more on the forefront of this effort in the idea that we were very specifically focused on women over 40. Obviously, there were other organizations advocating for age inclusivity, Mm -hmm. but they were all targeting different, obviously more uh, men and women. Um, And we just felt that there were, while ageism does cut both genders, you know, and it does affect both of us, it disproportionately affects women. And so we really wanted to be very focused and intentional in our efforts. And at the time, we didn't find any one organization that was trying to do everything we were trying to do. And there were elements and other organizations that existed, but not to the depth that we wanted to take it. And so uh, since then, though, a lot of organizations have popped up, which is wonderful because there's room for all of us in the playground. But at the time, we were definitely, I think, leading a charge that I I don't even think women knew because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I just could, you know, share a brief story. When we started to launch our first event, which was BizLifeCon at the time, our BizCon at the time, and it was all about for women over 40 and it was our first conference, and that would have been in April 2009 or in March 2019. We had pretty much the lowest attendance or registration attendance that we could have ever anticipated for that event because women just didn't understand that there was this event now for women over 40 and 50, where we were all about championing you, uh, you know, sponsors got it, but our women were not connecting the dots because they hadn't ever been recognized in such a fashion. And it wasn't, it took us a whole other month and change to finally educate and get them up to speed a little bit. We And we did have a great attendance, but we had to postpone our event because we just didn't have the turnout because women weren't understanding what we were trying to do
0: oh my god okay that is so interesting and I have a few questions now but I wanted to know did any of that feel risky to you because like especially having been in corporate settings like did it feel risky and scary and and what was that like
1: Absolutely, I think any venture that you set out to right a wrong is risky in some in some degree, right? Yeah. You're going against the grain. You're calling out things that people maybe don't want to talk about. You're bringing up uncomfortable conversations and topics. You're challenging people to think differently. So, just from the sheer definition of going, you know, starting up something that is already calling out and a very public, but yet. Underrecognized ism is already risking itself, right? <laughs> and so, right. so yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, we we were scared, obviously, and it was something that we both self funded from the get go. We never took outside investing for the organization, and we really relied on our expertise as communication experts and, and marketing specialists to really try to bring this to the forefront and do our best. But you know, you can imagine here you are trying to say, "Hey, I'm going to be pro aging, and we're going to advocate and, and want to put a positive spin on aging," and everyone else out there, corporate America, society, all these gen- you know past generation biases are out there telling you, "No." they're wrong. I, we're right. This is how it's always been for however many years. Why are you challenging? We've already internalized all these inherited beliefs about what it is to age. So here we are say, throw all that out the door and listen to us.
0: <laughs> right. So it, it's like salmon of the, you know, of the creek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that when you said like nobody showed up and the women, like the sponsors got it, but the women who you mm-hmm. were trying to advocate for did not Really get it at first. This is not the same thing. But as I'm learning more about ageism and sort of engrossing myself in this idea and this field more and more and having all these conversations and also bringing it into my friendships uh, and starting to talk about it with my girlfriends, I'm feeling a little bit of that, like that pushback from them too. You know, I'm trying to get all of excited and get people talking and grow the conversation beyond the people that I have been talking about this with. I have really good friends who have been in the beauty industry for a really long time and promote mm. and like literally have careers around like promoting, you know, anti-aging and all this yep. stuff. It's, a, it's something that I'm just beginning to navigate. I have been dyeing my hair since I spotted my first strands of gray. It's important to note that there is no judgment around performing any of these regimens, not dyeing your hair, wearing makeup, not getting Botox, none of it. This conversation is not about making anyone feel shame around doing these things or even promoting these things. This conversation is only to gain clarity around why we feel like we need to do these things in the first place. Then from that deep place of understanding, we get to decide what we want and what we don't want to do. As someone who has spent many hours and lots of money covering my gray hair, this has been a hard idea for me to absorb because it questions something I have been doing for years, and that feels icky. But if we want to change the narrative and dismantle ageism, we have to be willing to understand the reasons why it exists in the first place.
1: It's an interesting conversation, right? Yeah. I think for for me personally, I, I know that ageism... Um, I can't change how other people see me, right? You're going to see me the way that you choose to see me, and you're going to have your own lens. I know my own truth, but I can't change how you see me, and I need to learn to accept that. Now, I can educate you. I can advocate for myself, but that sometimes takes... Me believing in who I am and, and and at the age that I sit at. And for many women specifically, and we saw this being a real big issue in our community, was that internal ageism is a lot more brutal than external ageism. Yeah. And so in your group, I bet it's a lot of, you know, this idea of like, well, I'm I'm out here advocating, you know, for anti-aging and yet I'm having issues with my own aging and I don't want to grow old and I want to look good. And like all of these things that we, you know, associate with getting older and we forget that every day that we live on this earth is a privilege. right? You know, there's nobody that's out here saying, I want to die at 35. right? Like we're all trying to live the longest life that we can, but yet when we get there, it's like, damn, I'm already here. What the heck? Right. (laughs) So it's like, it's such a it's such a dual minded way of uh, tricks, in essence, that our mind plays on us yeah. that we want it, but we don't want it. And how do we look at it? And how do we interpret it? How do we adopt it? How do we deflect certain comments, but accept certain? Like, it's a, it, it is a definitely a personal growth experience mm-hmm. aging in today's yeah. world. And I think we're rescripting what it means to age too, right? Like just the fact that a hundred years ago we weren't living to be, you know, the the age that we're living to today. So right. if you think about it, being 50s, 60s, 70 plus now is like a whole new endeavor because it wasn't very common just a just a few decades ago, right? Yeah. And I think quality of life, I think our commitment to taking care of ourselves, healthcare, all of that kind of comes into play to ensuring a prosperous, beautiful longevity in essence in our lives that is no longer the same as it was, you know, even 50, 70, hundred years ago. So it's a real beautiful time to really own who you are and, and chart your own path.
0: Yes. Yeah. I agree. It feels very exciting. Can you explain what you mean by middle essence? Yeah, so we heard this
1: beautiful word (laughs) from Barbara Waxman. And I understand that it was actually coined by someone prior to her, um, or has been used in previous circles, but we heard it first from her. So I give her credit. Um, Middle just like adolescence is another life stage. So it is used to explain the stage of life that is experienced in, mid, in mid-life, in essence. And so it's typically between that 40, I believe it's to like mid-60s type of, but I think even that's expanding because obviously now with you know, us living longer, I think it's even now encroaching on just a little under 70. But it's that middle-life stage where, you know what, just like adolescence, we, there was a lot of growth, a lot of changes, a lot of things happening to our bodies. We unfortunately don't have classes like you would to taking, you know, obviously in middle school or high school about what's going on with us. But it's, it's a beautiful life stage where we just describe the fact that, Hey, you know what, you're still in a new stage of life. Give yourself, you know, a little, um, slack because you're going to be going through tremendous growth changes. Your body's going to be changing in different ways, just like it did in adolescence. So don't freak out. It's a normal part of life.
0: I love that too. And it made me think of something. I think I saw this on Instagram or something, but somebody had said like, why don't we celebrate menopause rather than, you know, hide it or whatever. And why isn't there education on it? Like, let's talk about it and celebrate it because it is the next yeah. stage of our lives and it's going to happen to everybody.
1: Absolutely. And and I totally am with you, you know,
0: and it's this idea
1: that all of a sudden you're, you're just thrown into this experience almost feeling a little shame that I'm here because there's no real kind of, you know, support system to say, Hey, you know what? It's okay. This is what you're going to experience. Here's how you can help yourself. Stacy London is, is really kind of one on the, the, one of the women on the front end of that. That's really kind of championing through her organization, uh, normalizing conversations around it because it's, you're right, it's going to happen to all of us. And if it's not happening to you specifically because you happen to be male, you probably, odds are, you probably know someone that is going through it, right? Yeah. So we're all <laughs> affected by it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, the, the, there is this weird feeling of shame around it, which mm-hmm. is bizarre. It's, I mean, I guess I kind of remember being embarrassed when I got my period. <laughs> yeah. But I'm trying to think if it's, if those are, I don't know.
1: I don't know. But there's all this just, education out there, right? About, I right. Here's, what you, here's how you talk to someone. It, there isn't hardly anything for that. For menopause. And it's mm. just one of those where, I don't know. I, I think that's where we could really start to individually start to change and have those conversations and, and not be embarrassed about what are, you know, the things that our body's going to naturally do. And just embrace it. Like, I mean, it's, again, a
0: normal part of our lives. Yeah. And the alternative is not having a body that's alive. I yeah. mean, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean,
1: you see all the commercials for Viagra for Pete's sake. Like, what's up with that? Like, why is it certain things get, you know, talked about? And yet yeah. other things are, are supposed to be on the hush hush. No. Yeah, like. That's why I'm glad that we're having more conversations around it because it's, we need to start to normalize this and educate versus having us basically going all through the internet, trying to find as much information about what the heck can we expect. And, you know, even having our physicians understand what it means to go through menopause and be able to like... Intellectually talk to us about what's going on with our bodies. What can we expect? Not necessarily start to just quickly put us on some drugs, but rather, like, hey, here's what you can do from a lifestyle perspective. Right. So as to really kind of help us own this stage of our life.
0: Yeah, I love that. I heard Guadalupe give a speech on how we, especially as women, too often shortchange ourselves in terms of our value and worth. And I really wanted to know how she stays centered in her worth and especially as a Latina in her 40s.
1: Yeah. So, all transparency, it's a daily struggle. Anybody that tells you they've got it locked in, I would question because I think that there are just different circumstances that we kind of go through in our daily life that can shake us to our core, that can, you know, make us question, that makes us wonder if, in fact, you know, what value do we really truly bring? So, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think that's a truth that oftentimes we choose to not honor and realize that that's that's the truth of our of our duality, right? Like we've got both sides. One side is telling you you're awesome. The other side is telling you you're not so awesome. What do you think you are, right? So for me, finding that balance is understanding that I've got these two sides of me, that I need to honor both my saboteurs and my sage wisdom and understand that I am a perfect blend of both. And understand that, you know what, at some point in time, yes, I'm going to be challenged and I may lean a little bit more towards my saboteurs and through my sage, but then the next day is a new opportunity for me to rebalance. And so that might look in the form of, I, I definitely love to hit the gym and kind of just recenter. I, I meditate a lot. I'm actually taking right now positive intelligence. Um, with Sheeraz Shamin, um, I've, t- I've
0: done that. Oh, have you? Isn't yeah. it so cool? Right? It's great. <laughs> as soon as you talked about saboteurs and and saved, yeah. I was like oh, I know what she's doing. I know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's true. It's it's
1: understanding that you know what um, you can find good in every thought, in every experience—good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Like there is a lesson to be learned, mm. but it takes you <laughs> consciously showing up and understanding and deciphering that. And working through that, that's how I honor myself because it's a daily experience that, you know, it's a hubble reminder that we're, we're human.
0: Yeah. You kind of, you brought this up earlier, but I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit more about the differences between how men and women experience ageism.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Like I mentioned, I know that that ageism cuts both genders, right? But when we had the chance to really kind of pull back the curtain and specifically through my work at Second Act Women, um, some of the conversations that we had were pretty intense as to how it actually affects women. For example... We've got lookism that really starts to kind of take hold. So how we look, in essence, really affects how people see us. Even just, I mean, if you think about it, even some of the descriptors or the adjectives used to compare a man and a woman, debonair, wise, gray hair, attractive, right? right and right. women here are like, oh, she's old. She's sagging. She's, you know, not aging well. <laughs> and it's just interesting. We can have the same amount of wrinkles, mm-hmm. same amount of gray's. But there is this youth-obsessed world that we live in right now that just doesn't give women a break, even from our very young selves. There is this ideal image of what women should strive to be like from when we're like 10 on up, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't end until, unfortunately, we choose not to listen to it anymore. But we still do, right? We live in a world that obviously visually consumes first and then listens to what you have to say second. And so... Lookism was one of the kind of main issues. We also saw that, that goes hand in hand with brandism, right? The idea that companies just don't want to um, even. We 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 talked to some agencies that were trying to kind of have conversations with their clients about incorporating more diverse looking people of all ages in their ads. And it was this idea that, no, if I do that, I'm going to be seen by my target audience, which is this younger audience as out of touch, you know, skewed one way or the other. And so we started to see that not a lot of companies were wanting to represent us. And so we never saw ourselves represented in in ads, right? Or it was ads for drugs or for, you know, sleeping aids or whatever. And, and I'm okay. granted, there's a place for everything, Right. But that's not the only place where I live, you know, or the only things that I need. And so um, we started to say that we were just we were invisible in the eyes of obviously advertisers and companies. And then for many women, that turned into obviously internal ages, in which we touched touched on a little earlier, which was the idea of having imposter syndrome or going through lack of confidence or feeling basically that i can't apply for this i'm limiting myself because i'm already too old i am past you know my ability to be able to apply for this job or i don't have enough experience or you know i don't fit in anymore i'm the oldest one in my team i mean the list goes on right mm-hmm. and so what we started to see was that these women were holding themselves back in their careers were not living the fullest of their lives were second guessing themselves which then in turn affected how much income they brought in and affected Mm -hmm. their livelihood. And it was just this circle, vicious circle that we started to see about how, you know, between what we believe about ourselves, what we believe, but what is not true necessarily, right? What we believe ourselves combined with how people see us, it was just a compound effect. And it seemed to be that with every year, every decade, there was even more uncertainty, Now, there were women within that group, obviously, that didn't fall into that bucket and were like, yes, gung-ho, I'm on my game, et cetera. So there's a spectrum, right? But I think that comes down to a lot of either the environment that you grow up in, the conversations that you engage in, like you're doing with your friends, right? And having those really kind of heartfelt discussions to just ensure that everybody knows you're not alone. Like everybody's experiencing this, but there's a way around it. And I think that's how, you know, unfortunately, ageism just is a bigger detriment, has a bigger impact on on women than it does on men.
0: Before we move on, I wanted to let you all know about a new podcast I recently discovered called the Holistic Counseling Podcast. It's cool and you should check it out. Here's a little from the host. Hey there, I'm Chris McDonald. I'm a licensed therapist and host of the Holistic Counseling Podcast, which is for therapists who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and build their practice with confidence. Join me each week for interviews and solo episodes on holistic practices such as yoga, energy healing, and learn the many benefits of a wide variety of holistic modalities. Whether you're looking for new techniques or seeking to deepen your own personal journey towards wellness, this podcast is the perfect companion for your holistic path. If you haven't listened to the Holistic Counseling podcast yet, check it out here and discover the life-changing benefits of holistic practices at www.holisticcounselingpodcast.com. So I get these compliments sometimes like, you look so good for your age, or I can't believe you're 45, you look like you're in your 30s, which makes me feel good. But they also make me feel uncomfortable because while it's meant to be a compliment to me, it's also an insult to my age group and those older than me. We've been taught that 45 is supposed to look a certain way when in fact, I am what 45 looks like. All this to say, I never know how to respond when someone tells me that I look so good for my age. If I don't say something, am I perpetuating this ism as acceptable? What do we do with this seemingly benign comment that might actually be harmful? Well, you
1: know, the witty remark is, so do you.
0: <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah.
1: Because that reminds him. You know, I think those are... are our educating moment. And I get that, you know, because yeah. I, I, I am 50. I'm going to be 50 here in June. They're like, really? You're going to be 50? And I'm like, so this is what I say. I say. This is what 50 looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever you thought I was supposed to look like, let me just tell you, this is what 50 looks like. And so it's an opportunity for you to really educate them and say, this is why that's, that's insulting. You know, even though you maybe didn't mean it this way, Let me just offer a new perspective. And I think that's the beauty of conversation. Acknowledging that just because someone says an ageist remark or you take it to be ageist doesn't make them ageist, right? It could make them just ignorant in the moment, didn't know any better. They were trying to be nice but it just comes off wrong. So give them the benefit of the doubt. And instead of judging them for their verbal mishap, why don't you take the opportunity and and help them see the error of their ways and educate them? I think then what that does is hopefully ensures that they don't say that to someone else. And there you go. You've done your job.
0: Guadalupe is a mom to a 25 and 18 year old. So how does she talk to her kids about ageism?
1: Because I just, you know, co-found Second Act Women when they were, you know, old enough to understand what I was doing. It was this constant conversation of, hey, so this is why this is important. And we're delivering a presentation on this. And here's kind of some cool little nuggets in case you're curious. And my boy at the time, uh, because I was like three years ago, so he was uh, 16-ish or 15 and change high schooler so he had all those little like boomer comments and like you know oh you're so gen x mom right and so those were all perfect learning experience to be like hey you know what so i totally can get that your friends are talking smack like this and you guys think it's funny but let me tell you why it's not cool and so it was every time i heard one of his comments it was like an opportunity for me like so why are you saying that you know I'd love to understand. He's like, well, I'm just playing with you. But it was all, it was an opportunity again to educate and be like, well, you might be playing with me, but that's not landing right for me. And that's not fair. And so what it did is I started to see his, his. Vocabulary shift from how he used to talk to me and now how he talks to me, and how he, you know, I've instilled in them the the importance of respect and, you know, mutual appreciation and curiosity for people of all ages. And so I've seen that kind of flourish in him and how he, you know, interacts with people that we see on the street, you know, or whatever it might be. And I'm like, yay, I've done my job. (laughs) So it's, you know, you're never too young to learn to appreciate um, age inclusivity and diversity.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you're never too young and like we need younger people to be in on this with us.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It doesn't work. And, And you know, yeah, and I'll acknowledge here too. And I've always acknowledged reverse ageism also is real. Right. So it's not like ageism is exclusive to people over 40 and 50. Mm -hmm. I totally get and I appreciate and I empathize with those that also receive it on the, on the younger side as well, too, that you're too young to, to be doing this. You, You know, you don't have an experience. So it's this idea that. It's a real truth for a lot of people of lo- and it covers a wider spectrum than we actually think. Yeah. So why not do us all a huge favor and start to just look at pers- at the person for who they are as a person versus what chapter they sit at.
0: Yes. Yes. I also love that you just said you were teaching your kids to stay curious and to stay curious mm-hmm. about, about people of all ages because one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because this youth obsessed culture that we have, but also Mm -hmm. that like, there are all these people who we're not talking to and we're not Mm -hmm. listening to their stories. And why aren't we? Because there's a lot of people out there that have a lot to offer and not Mm -hmm. because they're older, but because they're people with a lot of experience and a lot of life lessons and we can learn from them. And why aren't we, why are we only talking to people Younger, why we only interested in, you know, what the 20 and 30-somethings are doing when yeah, there's all this, like, wisdom out there. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And yeah. I
1: bet if we were to challenge your audience and say, so take a look at your friendship demo, like, who's in your friendship circle? It would all probably be people within your age group odds are yeah. good. Right. Yeah, And so there within lies, you know, the challenge and, and I get it. It's more comfortable. You're related. It's relatable. It's easy to talk to people in your age demo, hundred percent agree. And I'm not saying go get rid of their, your friendship circle, but how can I expand it? And I think to your comment, that's perfect. Exactly. There are so many things that we can learn from people of all ages, older, younger, you know that if we limit ourselves to only those that we're most comfortable with, then honestly you're you're kind of cutting yourself off from all of this beautiful wisdom and diverse ways of looking at things, new perspectives that we all can't have the answers to. One generation isn't going to have it all. So why not open the doors to have beautiful fruitful insightful conversations and expand your knowledge base, expand your outlook? But that's not going to happen when you're just sitting around people that look and sound in our age, th- just like you. So right. dare to push yourself beyond those limits.
0: Yes, exactly. What are you? What are all the things you're currently working on?
1: So let's see. So as I mentioned, I'm on a self-prescribed sabbatical. So I stepped away from Second Act Women um, last fall. And since then, I've launched a blog on LinkedIn called Dear Metal Lesson. Would love for you guys to check it out. Uh, but it, it's a blog that I just started because... When I walked away from Second Act Women, I started to share with some people, like some of my truths about what I was going through and the insecurities and this transition in life. And they're like, so am I. And oh my gosh, I've been going through that too. And what I found was that there's beauty in vulnerability and in sharing. And in this block, I share about, you know, what I'm learning, what's curious, what's on my mind, what I'm having conversations about with other people so as to just ensure that more people can have a new perspective or appreciate a new way of looking at things or even be exposed to new knowledge that maybe they didn't even think about before and so i write this weekly blog on linkedin been doing it since fall and uh and really enjoying doing that but i also am a a board member on encore.org and it is a um An organ a nonprofit organization that is looking to advance conversations around people in the workplace, but also just in life that are over forty and fifty. And so, I'm really excited to have joined that board here in January.
0: I love that you're getting out there and telling your story and being vulnerable. I am always talking on here about and everywhere about like get out there, tell your story. You have a voice, it's important. And also it is like the thing to create connection and to create peace inside and out, equity, equality, all of those things. Like we need to share our stories and we need to listen to other people share their stories. It's the only Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Preach. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people can find your blog on LinkedIn. Is that the yes. best place for people to find you if they want to reach out to you?
1: Yeah. I'm taking a little social break. I'm also on Instagram, but I, I came off of Facebook. I just needed a little breather, but you can find me on um, on LinkedIn. That's primarily where I where I hang out. And but, yeah, would love to connect and have some some additional follow-up, awesome conversations if I can answer any questions or be of help. My, my virtual door is always open.
0: And here we are at the point of the interview where I asked her to reintroduce herself as her true identity because we are not our successes, failures, titles, or our ages stereotypes.
1: I'm Guadalupe. I am 49. I am a great listener. I am a heart-centric friend. I am respectful, I'm loyal, I'm fun, and I just love to live life and be thankful for all the talents that God gave me.
0: I love Guadalupe and everything she stands for. Telling your story, standing up against ageism, educating the young people. If you love her as much as I do, don't forget to check out her blog. You'll find the link in the show notes. And as always, if you are loving these episodes, please take a moment right now before you do anything else to send your favorite episode to one or two people who might also benefit from listening. The more we grow, the more you'll grow. Thank you. And thank you also to David Ben Peratt for sound engineering, Dan Davin for the music, David Harper for the artwork. I Am This Age is produced by Jellyfish Industries. I'm Molly Cider. Catch you all next time.